Well, continuing our conversation uh, about discipleship, uh, I mean, last week, uh, Brother Dan challenged us uh, the idea of doing discipleship. Uh, it's not just a professional Christian's work, but it's all of our work, you know. We're called to disciple one another. Uh, so it's, it's good to hear Paul's uh, uh, commentary on this idea uh, from the book of uh, Thessalonians. Uh, often uh, the thought of doing discipleship uh, hits you like that, that uh, first date that you take to the prom. You know? It's like, it's like uh, you're confronted with this person that you're with at this very uncomfortable thing called a prom, and you're thinking to yourself, what on earth am I going to talk about? And uh, like for my prom, I remember not talking about hardly anything the whole evening, which was very disappointing. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> but for the Apostle Paul, he says there's lots to talk about, you know, and he refers to the entirety of Scripture or to God's Word. You know, this past week I was in the computer nightmare time. It was. Uh, um, something went wrong with my, the internet connection in my computer. Uh, it wouldn't get email and it wouldn't get the internet. And uh, it, as I was working trying to, to, to fix this, more and more things were going wrong. Uh, so I finally called up uh, Apple uh, support and they made things worse. And so then I had to go to the Apple store that's down in uh, Wakefield nowadays, right? which was kind of a, a well, I'm not going to say what it was like, but it was, uh, it was further trying, you know? So I left my computer there. They stripped it. They made it like a brand new computer, and I brought it home, and I'm excited. I'm going to load this baby up and get things working, and I loaded my backup into it, and same thing. Didn't get fixed. <laughs> So I worked and worked on this thing, and then I discovered in the, in the email thing, there was one little word I got wrong. One little word. So I, I retyped the word to what I thought might be a shot in the dark, but possibly correct, and lo and behold, hallelujah, it started working. It started working. The lesson, I think, as I'm working on the sermon all this while, you know, I'm thinking to myself, what's the lesson here? Because for, for preachers, life in general is grist for the, pre, for, the, for, the, um, for the sermon mill, you know? Everything you go through is going to end up in the sermon, you know? So, so for me, the lesson is one little word makes the program operational, right? That, that whole thing, the machine, the program, all that stuff that went into that, years and years of research and, and, uh, and growing and more, more and more information, et cetera, all of it was useless except for that one little word. Paul's little verse today, we're going to just do one verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, uh, is, is about that one little word. So turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but, as, but what it really is, 
the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. The one little word, the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we desire to be influenced by your spirit today, Lord. We want to be transformed by your word this morning, Lord. So help us as we focus on you and your desire for us. We pray that you will be near us, that you will hear the cry of our heart, Lord, that you will come to us, Father, and, and bring relief from our sinfulness, from our disillusionments, from our hurts, uh, from our confusion, from our distractions, Lord, and help us to focus on you and your desire. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So <clears throat> here in this uh, verse, Paul is giving constant thanks to God for the way that the Thessalonians received the message that he and Timothy and Silas had brought to them. Uh, in those three days when he preached again and again uh, in subsequent Sabbaths in the synagogue, the Thessalonians heard and they believed what Paul was saying. This uh, expression uh, is, is a tough one. It's, uh, it's translated, when you receive the word of God, that is to say the word that was divinely preached to the Thessalonians by the apostle. Uh, but literally, what Paul is saying here is he's referring to a word of hearing. You received a word of hearing. So that's the, the little word there. It means to hear. It, it refers first to the faculty of hearing. For instance, we have the ability to discern uh, the frequency, the vibrations in the air of sound, right? We have that ability. Uh, but then there's the organ of hearing, right, which receives that vibration in the air and, and the accompanying organisms that are in our ear that, that all respond to that vibration in the, ear, in the air. And then we have the message that we are hearing. So it's kind of a com complex thing. It's like there's a, there's, a, there's a transmission, there is a reception, and then there is an understanding. Uh, this past year in uh, Thursday night, we, we made crystal radio sets. And uh, I remember them when I was a kid, so that's why I thought we'd like to build one uh, in the modern times, you know. So uh, we built this little transistor, this little crystal radio set, and we plugged it in, we fired it up, and we knew that there were broadcasts going on, and we knew that the little radio and its antenna was receiving something, but we couldn't hear it. We couldn't discern what was being said. The thing, as a, as a result, the thing was kind of useless. You know, we did get to practice soldering, but other than that, <laughs> it was kind of you know anticlimactic at the end. But it it demonstrates the the reality of here what Paul is talking about. You know, Paul and the other apostles were preaching, so they were making a noise. They were filling the air with a frequency from their voices. And the Thessalonians, with their organism for hearing, could pick it up. They could hear what was being said, but the difference for the Thessalonians was they received it, they understood it, and they put it to work in their lives. Now this is an essential reality of discipleship, because that's what we want to do with one another. We want to speak to each other in ways that will, that will lift us up, that will encourage us to be better disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So that's gonna, that's gonna entail broadcasting, uh, it's gonna involve hearing, 
but more importantly, it's going to involve understanding and then putting those things to work in our lives. So Paul here is saying something like, we handed on God's message and you received it. Right? So Paul here is talking about like an Old Testament concept of obedient hearing. It's like when God says something, people obey. That's the way God's word is. It has power to affect lives, to transform people, to change people. So what Paul is saying here is that that's what he was broadcasting to the Thessalonians, and the Thessalonians heard it in such a way as to make them different. Uh, the, The reference here is from an Old Testament idea of obedient hearing, where Jews and God fearers engage in true hearing, that is to say, obedience leading to faith from the reception and understanding of God's word. Paul connects here the the idea of hearing with faith. If you hear in faith, then it will become effective. All that this means is that Paul appears to be thinking of the obedient response of faith that followed when the Thessalonians received the message, and he is rejoicing in that, and he is giving thanks to God for that reality, because the word of God is having its expected result. It's changing the Thessalonians. See, in discipleship, this is kind of the whole nut. You know, we want to communicate things that will transform, that will encourage, that will give knowledge and understanding, and that will grow in maturity. Now, All the things I I just said, all those words, are references to what the Word of God is capable of doing. So the Word of God then for the believer, for the Christian, or for the disciple, will become operative, right, in the the being of the person. That is to say, it, it brings with it an operational capacity. So it goes from being just words to something that has has purpose and direction and force, etc. all those things that pulls us along, pushes us along in the walk that we have of faith before our God. This verb that Paul uses here, received, is often used as the receiving of a tradition. So what we're seeing here is they're not just receiving uh, a, a, a list of principles or philosophy, but they're receiving a tradition. So what Paul is talking about here is delivering to the Thessalonians the gospel message. The gospel message, the word of Jesus Christ, what he has done, what he has promised, what he will do in the future. All those things is wrapped up in this word that they are receiving from the Apostle Paul. And it is having an effect. Uh, Paul talks about this in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. And that has an effect. The Thessalonians, like the Corinthians, hear it. They, they take it in. They receive it. right, And they have an understanding. And they, as a result of the power of God working through his word, they come to believe. So this receiving sort of becomes a a technical reference to the idea of 
of, uh, of receiving the kerygma, or the apostolic message that's preached by Christian evangelists. Conveys the idea of um, also a, a, a kind of receiving that is a welcoming one. So the Thessalonians didn't hear it with uh, sort of begrudgingly uh, acceptance of it. They listened to it and they heard it and they welcomed the message. So Paul proclaimed the message and it was not only heard and received by the Thessalonians and obeyed, but it was welcomed. Right? So the, the reason for the welcome then uh, is seen in, in the, 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 the power of the word that Paul is bringing. The, the, you know, we could you know, lift up the Bible and read it, and it's on print, on paper, it's ink. It's, it's, uh, back in the old days, it would be a scroll. Today, it's, uh, it's a codex. It's a book. It's bound. And it's not magic, right? I mean, when I was a kid, I was always told, you know, take the the Bible into the bathroom. You treat, treat it with respect. You don't put things on top of it. You know, you lay it on the table. You don't put it on the floor. If you carry it, it's always in your right hand, etc. You know, it was all this, it was almost superstition about respect for the word. Well, the, the word is, it's, it's on paper and it's, it's verbiage, right? It's vocabulary and stuff like that. It has no power in itself, the thing that makes the word powerful is that it is accompanied by God's Holy Spirit. And this is what Paul says to the Thessalonians. He's saying, you received the word of God because you recognized it for what it was, the real word of God. Right? So the Thessalonians were hearing not Paul the apostle speaking, but they were hearing God speaking to them. That's how they received it. And that's what it is. The word is that. It is God speaking to us. You know, I was uh, interested in a, a thing on Facebook uh, a couple weeks ago. It was, uh, it was a picture of a guy sitting at a table praying, and there was a Bible on the other side of the table. And uh, the caption said, it's interesting how this person is sitting and asking for God to speak to him while there's a Bible on the table, you know? It's like God speaks to us constantly through his word, and we don't see it as that. We're looking for something different than God's word and the power that God's spirit gives to his word. Right? We're looking for something different. Well, God has provided this for us for millennia now, and it is there for us to take advantage of, just as the Thessalonians took advantage of what Paul was preaching. Not because Paul was necessarily preaching, uh, not that it was uh, words from uh, Torah or from Paul's letters, but it was God. They saw it as God speaking to them directly. So the reasons for God's welcome uh, in the, in the, uh, the, the, into the church at Thessalonica is that they received the word of God, which they heard from the disciples. And they accepted it, not as the word of men, but what it really is, the word of God. It is God's word. So Paul could preach with certainty and with power, for he had the profound conviction that what he said was not of man's devising. It was, in fact, the word of God. It was something that he had received and was passing on to others. That's kind of the essence of discipleship. You take what you have received and you pass it on to the next person. It's a conviction at the heart of the church's message. At the end of the verse, 
Paul makes the point that this word of God really does things. It works in believers. Uh, most accept uh, the, some such translation as the NIV here, uh, where it says, which is at work in you at the end. But a fellow named Armitage Robinson, uh, in his uh, commentary on this passage, uh, uh, notes that the verb here and its cognates, and he argues that it should be understood as a passive word. That doesn't make much difference uh, to those of us in the trenches, except that the idea being uh, communicated here is that the essential part of discipleship is the Holy Spirit working through God's word. It is the Holy Spirit that makes operative God's word in the believer. His point is that while another author uh, might well have used an active verb here, Paul prefers the passive, which implies that God is the one who works. Whether we accept this linguistically or not, it is certainly Paul's thought that the power is God's and that the word is his instrument. It is God who is at work within us. So when discipling your children, discipling with your wife, your husband, uh, discipling with your friend at work, wherever it is, you are engaging with God in growing Christians, yourself and your partner. And this is essentially what Paul does. He goes to these places and he stays for a period of time. They're not short-lived uh, exposures that Paul is giving to the people that he visits. He stays as long as he can in these places, sometimes from, from three months, six months, to three or four years. It's Paul's intention to build relationships with people and share with them the power of God through his word and the influence of the Holy Spirit in fellowship. So Paul comes and he builds relationships and he offers what he has been given to the Christians that are around him. And that's plain and simple. That's what we are called to do. We are called to do the same thing, like Paul. Build relationships with one another, share what we have been given, talk about it, practice it, hold one another accountable, pray for each other, and maintain that incarnational idea of presence. We are here for you to rejoice, to mourn, to help you labor, to, to celebrate with you, whatever. Whatever comes our way, we will engage it together in God's word by the work of his Holy Spirit. So the point in all this, Paul rejoices because the preaching and discipleship among the, Thess the Thessalonians has had its intended effect. Once again, God's word and his Holy Spirit has produced fruit in the people that Paul visits. It's not because Paul preached, although his preaching was a secondary influence, but because the word of God is real and powerful, it works. From Paul's perspective, there is nothing more important to impart to his disciples than the word of God and the relationship with God's Holy Spirit. As the palmist has said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The prophet Isaiah writes, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Jesus said, Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, 
Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Paul says, Philippians chapter 2, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So Paul is saying to all the churches, hold on. Keep God's word at the center of your relational activities. You know, read it, repeat it, talk about it, explore it together. And finally, 2, 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Holmes Ralston, the, uh, the third, the philosopher and uh, theologian, interesting mix there. He says, the man who feels that there are few things worth living for and none worth dying for will not gather around himself a band of zealous disciples. To preach interesting little moral essays can never prove an adequate substitute for the word that comes from God ministered by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we engage in. When we are discipling one another, we are about holy work, supernatural work, right? Work of power, of awesome glory for God. When we treat these things as having been received from God, true testimony from his Holy Spirit on how to live and how to comport ourselves as the people of God, we will increase. We will be successful and we will grow in maturity. And that's what it's about. It's about growing in maturity, becoming full-fledged Christians, believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, and continuing that reality on to the people that we love, the people that we know, the people that we interface with every day. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, James says. Don't be a person who simply senses the frequency in the air but one who hears and receives and believes the message. Essentially, this is the subject matter of the gospel and the work of discipleship. Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that should encourage you. What are you going to talk about to your discipling partner? Well, God's word. You know, how, is, how is that going to be effective in your life? Jesus Christ is going to be with you in his Holy Spirit until he calls us all home to be with him and enjoy the wedding feast of the Lamb. That's what we're called to do. So we have the subject. We have the power of conversation in the in spirit. We are ready to rock and roll, folks. So let's pray.